As we continue to look at the July 4th and independence and the freedom that we have, and, and I have some concerns. Do we really have the freedom that we think we have? Do we really have the freedom in Christ? Are we now beginning to start to slip into a nation that is not under God? Are we, are we beginning to slip in and be part of a nation that has, that has upset God? Are we in a nation that has, has turned its back on God? Because it seems like every time we turn around, there's, there's something else. There's an attack on this and there's an attack on that. I want you to understand it's an attack on Christianity. Hello? It's not an attack on religion because there's no problem promoting Muslims. There's no problem promoting uh, Buddha. There's no problem promoting uh, uh, gods of, of India. There's no problem when you start talking about those things. But when you start talking about Jesus Christ, come on, somebody, somebody gets upset. And I began to start thinking about this, and I said, Lord, how can I begin to relate this to us? And, and what is it that you want to bring forth on this day? You know, because we're, we're honoring our freedom, God, but yet are we really free? The Bible says those that the sun set free are, are free in indeed. And, and, and we've got to be set free by Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I began to look at, I began to, to try to, to get a greater understanding of, was what was holding us back. What's holding us back as believers, as Christians, as born again, filled with the Holy Ghost? Come on, somebody. What's, what's holding us back for saying, hey, wait a minute. No, no, this is right and this is wrong. Well, I don't know what right or wrong is. I mean, how can you define that? I mean, can it really be defined? And what is real truth? It's the same thing that Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, and he said, what is truth? The truth is the Word of God. God said it. That settles it. Amen. God is the one that defined marriages. Our Constitution doesn't have to define marriage. God is the one that defined marriage. Before the United States even existed, God defined marriage between one man and one woman. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a shout of praise in this place. Well, why are we afraid? Well, everybody should have their own way. They should have their own thing. They should, you know, they, you know, we all got to be inclusive. We got to be this, or you're just a, a believer and you want to be an exclusive. You want to try to cut somebody out just because they're made this way. I want us to begin to look at some things today, and I want us to, to understand when we, when we look at our government and laws that are being passed. And listen, first of all, I want to say this. We belong to the greatest government on the face of the earth. Amen. And I am proud and I'm honored and I'm thankful to be in America. We've been to Israel. We've been to Cuba. We, we, we've watched what's took place in Cuba. And I'm thankful for what God is doing in America. Amen. Although we may not be totally free, we're freer than a lot of nations and countries in this earth. And I'm thankful for that. Aren't you thankful? There's got to be an attitude of gratitude towards that as we begin to look at this. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, and I want us to begin to look at this. I want us to look at, I'm going to read Daniel chapter 3. I want to talk about three Hebrew guys, little Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want us to look at them because they did not bow down. And there's going to be a time in the, in the history of this nation that there's a dividing. In fact, we're hearing the prophets in the land saying this is not a time to be caught on the fence. You either be hot or cold. Come on, somebody. And we prefer that you be hot. God said it this way. He said, choose life or death. Oh, by the way, choose life. Turn to your neighbor and say, choose life. Turn to your other neighbor and say, choose life. Daniel chapter 3, page 1426. If you get to the book of Ezekiel, turn right and you'll run right into Daniel. Daniel chapter 3, because I want us to look at some things. I want, us to, I want this to really stir in you. There are some excuses that we make for some things that I'm, we're going to identify and address real quick. And, uh, Daniel chapter 3, everybody there say amen. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. And it's set upon the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent word to the assemble the satraps, the perfects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image of Nebuchadnezzar that the king had set up. Then the satraps, the perfects, the governors, the counselors... 
The treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the providence were assembled by the dedication of that image Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image of Nebuchadnezzar that he had set up. In other words, he erected this monument, this idol, to to Nebuchadnezzar, and basically they were there at the dedication ceremony of it. Verse 4 says, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples and nations of men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psalmistry, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship this golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be immediately cast in the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, I mean, here's the sound of the horn or the flute or or, or the 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 lyre, the stringed instruments, the the trigon, the psalmistry, the bagpipes, and all kinds of music, they, they were to fall down and they were to worship this golden image. Well, you know, we don't have that in America, do we? We don't have something that's erected that says, oh, you got to go and bow down and you worship it. We don't have idol worship here in America. Come on, we're the land of the free. Some may be in pursuit of this. Some may be in pursuit of something else. We don't have idol worship. Yes, we do have idol worship. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. An idol. Look in your heart. There might be an idol in your heart. What is it? It might be money. The Bible doesn't say that, the, that money is the root of all evil. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. There's been many pastors that misquote that scripture because they're trying to get something. Come on. So we begin to look and we begin to understand and we begin to realize what you love more than God becomes an idol. I love my wife, man. I love my wife. I'm blessed. I got a fantastic wife. I, I love her. She's, she's a blessing to me. And I just praise God for her. But as much as I love her, I love God more. Come on, somebody. Is she upset about that? Is she offended about that? Oh, it's not fair. You should love me more. No, no, she knows the proper priority that my life needs to be ordered by so that I can love her because I love him. We begin to look at some things and we begin to see where now in, in, in Daniel's day in Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they bow down to this idol. What do we bow down to? Let me go on. Verse 8. For this reason, the time certain Chaldeans came forward and they brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, Oh, king, live forever. <laughs> oh, that, why don't we respond that way to Jesus? Amen. Why don't we respond that way to Father God? King, you're the one that lives forever. You know, you're the one. You're the creator of heaven and earth. The God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob, verse 10 says, You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the fruit, the lyre, the trigon, the, the psalmistry, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, that you're to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not, check this out, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. Now, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over your administration. Here comes the accusation. I want you to put yourself in Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego's place today. I want you to take their place today. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a fiery furnace of blazing fire. Verse 12, and there's a certain Jew whom you've appointed over the administration of the providence of Babylon. And his name is Shadrach, or namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you, God, had set up. Is that you? Is that you? Verse 13, the Nebuchadnezzar 
in rage and anger, gave the orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to these, and these men, they were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar responded, and he said to them, It is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that they were set up. He brought them in before them, and he, he questioned them. Don't you know that the law in the land says that when this sound is, 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 these musical instruments are played, that you're to bow down and worship me? What are you doing? You're not doing that. Are you doing that? Are you supposed, you're supposed to be doing that. That's what the law says. That's what you're supposed to do. Where do you stand? Where would you be in this situation? What would you say in this situation? Let me go on. Verse 15. Now, if you are ready, at that moment, you hear the sound of the horn and, 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 he, and, and that I've made very well, and, and, but if you do not worship me, I, you will be immediately cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there? Oh, come on. What God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? I mean, he was full of some pride now. He, he was God. He was king. He, and it wasn't unusual for this time and this period that most, if pharaohs or kings, that's what they created themselves to be. They said, I am God. I got news for them. Oh, you got to read about Nebuchadnezzar. If you've never heard how God humbled him, you need to, you need to read that. Maybe, maybe you'll stay out of some trouble so God doesn't humble you in that way. Come on, somebody. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you do not need to, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able. Say, God is able. God is able. He, he is able to deliver us from this furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand. It's like God is going to take me out of your hand. It isn't going to matter. Because he's going to deliver us out of this fiery furnace. And one thing I know, he's going to deliver us out of your hand. Say, God is able. See, God is able. He is able to pull you out of a situation when you're not afraid to stand for him. Oh, come on. God is able to bring you up out of the mire and out of the muck and bring you out of a situation when you're willing to make a stand for him. They were making a stand for him. It wasn't for their own benefit. They were making a stand for God. How do I know that? How do you know it wasn't for their own benefit? They were just saying that. Were they really? Because they said, even if God doesn't deliver us, oh, come on, somebody, we're still not bowing down. Even if God doesn't bring me out of the fiery furnace, even if I perish, then I perish, and I will be delivered out of your hand because God is still God. He's still God. They began to look at this, and I began to analyze some things. I, I, at times, I have a, a little analytical mind. And I began to start thinking about some things. And I said, Lord, what about if it was me in this situation? What excuses could I have made? I was thinking about this, and I wrote some down. One was, we'll just fall down and, and worship the idol because we're not actually worshiping. Well, go ahead and go through the motions just to appease the king because we're not really worshiping. We won't become idol worshipers, but we'll just worship this one time. And then we'll ask God for forgiveness. Oh, come on, somebody, relate this back to you. Where are you at? See? Oh, I'll just, I'll just slip over here and do this one time because I'm not really doing it. I'll just do this one time and I'll ask God for forgiveness because I know about righteousness. God knows my heart. Have you heard that one? Oh, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. Well, God knows my heart. I, I met this one guy one time, and, and we were talking, and, you know, God just kind of pours out. You know, we were talking about God, and he was like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I know God. I said, do you? He said, yeah. 
I said, who's that right there? He said, that's my girlfriend. Well, she's, she's nice. How long have you been dating? Oh, we haven't been dating. We've been living together. Really? How about that? How long have you been living together? Oh, four or five years. What about getting married? Nah, I don't want to get married to her. My mind was going, what God do you know? Come on, somebody. And if you're living together here with somebody in Oklahoma, I got news for you. If you think you're just going to do it and get away with it, no, because the law of the land says when you hang out too long, live together, you're considered married. I didn't, I've never, didn't know this law existed until I got to Oklahoma. It didn't exist in North Carolina, but it's, it's called common law marriage. You're married whether you think you're married or not. Come on, somebody. But how many times do we, I mean, I think about the excuses. We make excuses for stuff. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have made some more excuses. They could have made an excuse of, well, you know, the king appointed me, and I'm in this position because the king put me there, and I kind of owe it to him. Let's bow down to him. How about this? This is a foreign land. We're in a foreign country. I mean, God will excuse us, won't he, if we follow the customs of the land? Won't God let us do it? God will just forget about it. It will be okay. We're just following the customs of the land. I mean, my mother used to tell me when you were in Rome, do as the Romans do. And then I got to begin reading about the Roman history and the bathhouses and everything else. And I thought, I think Rome's moved to America. Come on. What other excuses do we make for not serving God? Check this out. Check this out. Hey, by the way, this sermon's going to get a little rough. And then we might just hit a few dives. We're going to hit a few more bumps. But I can guarantee you this. We're going to hit a point where we're going to start ascending. Amen? And you're going to come out of it. So just hold on. That's why you put that seatbelt on. What about this excuse? Come on. Our ancestors set up idols in the temple. I mean, it's not that bad that we just worship Nebuchadnezzar here one time. I mean, it's not as bad as what our ancestors did. God, I mean, they did worse stuff than we did. How about if they looked at everybody else when the flute played and they said, everybody else is doing it. We'll do it. What about that excuse? You ever gotten that excuse? You ever said that to yourselves? How about if they just said, you know, we're not hurting anyone. We'll just keep peace. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you, Lord. We'll just keep peace and do it, and it'll be okay because we're not hurting anyone when we do it. If we get ourselves killed, there's some pagans that are going to take our place, and then we wouldn't be able to deliver our people out of exile. So we probably should go ahead and, and, and do this thing because, I mean, you know, we're in this position and I don't want any pagan to take my place because there's more to it than just getting our people, getting a bow down to, to, to Nebuchadnezzar, but getting our people out of exile. How many times have we said that? I began to look at it and I said, God, what is it? And he said, fear. Fear. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about overcoming fear. How, how do we overcome fear? How, how, what is fear itself? I want to begin to look at that. I want to just talk with you just a few things. Because in Exodus 23, it says that you should have no gods before him. And we begin to look at this, and I begin to think, God, there's fear. There's fear in the body of Christ. We can try to deny it, but it's there. We can see it when people are afraid to stand up and say, wait a minute. Um, no, no, I, I don't think that's right. That's wrong. We're, we're headed down the wrong road. Uh, murder's not okay. You've heard me say it, and I'll say it again. When we decide... As a nation, when we can define life, then we will decide as a nation when to define death. If we decide that that little baby in the womb is not really a baby until it's out of the womb, 
then we can decide that death can be whenever you're just no good for society any longer. You can't work. So we'll just pull your plug. We just starve you, won't let you eat anything. We'll just give you a little injection, let you go, because we can decide when life and death is. Let's take a look at this fear. You want to look at fear? And we're going to look at some faith issues, but I want to specifically talk about fear here today. What is fear? What, what, what do we fear? Because I think we have to face these things. And then I also want to give you some information and, and revelation of how you can have victory over fear, because you can have victory over fear. Let's take a look at what, is, what fear is. I think I gave it to her. Fear is a painful emotion or passion excited by an expectation of evil. It's a painful emotion or passion, and it's excited by the expectation of evil. <gasps> Something's going to happen to me. Or it's an apprehension of impending danger. In other words, if I do this, there's danger ahead. I got news for you. There's danger if you don't do it. Fear is, well, to be afraid. Fear is an uneasiness of mind. Fear can be upon the thought of, of future evil likely to befall us, likely to happen to us. If I don't do this and bow down to Nebuchadnezzar, I could be thrown in the blazing fire, and it would not be a good thing. Let me tell you a little bit about a furnace. The furnace that they're talking about in these days is this. They used to take a furnace, and you can take a furnace, and you bake brick in it. You also smolt ore. Uh, copper, silver. In other words, when they would mine, they would go in coal or rock, and they would find veins of gold or silver in the rock. And I've always wondered how they get that out. They can take that and put it into this furnace. Now, this furnace, mm, 1,300 degrees Celsius, and I don't know, is probably over 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Iron will melt at 1,500 degrees Celsius. I'm talking about a bar of iron will turn to liquid. So they put this rock in there, and, this, and the, the furnace is turned up, and it goes to, so we're just going to use 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit because that'll do it. And that rock will be heated up, and it will turn that gold or that silver into liquid. And that's how they extract it out of a rock. Now, Nebuchadnezzar took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and said, You're not bowing down, so I'm going to put you in this furnace. Oh, come on, somebody. And the Bible says that he had them increase the temperature seven times. It was already at 15 hundred degrees, and he increased it seven times. It was so hot that when they opened the door to that furnace that the flames engulfed the guys that were putting them in there. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's hot. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, that's hot. We're talking about that hot, that hot. And they put them in this furnace. When you bake bricks, 1,500, 1,800 degrees for that brick to solidify. We're talking about that hot. And we were talking about fear. Now, they had excuses. They could have made excuses. They could, just like we. We don't, you know, I should do this. Everybody else is doing it, so I'm going to do it. It'll be okay. I'll repent and ask God for forgiveness later. And then they do it again, and then you do it again, and then they do it again, and you do it again, and they do it again, and you do it again, and you're no different than them. What was the difference between Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They said, my God will save me. And even if he doesn't save me, like pull me out of this fire, and I go be with him, I'm not bowing down to you, brother. You're not my God, you're not my idol, and I'm not worshiping you. Can I get an amen? Fear is also, I heard this acronym of fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. 
False evidence appearing real, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. It looks like this. It could be that. I don't know. That's, that, that, that may be what it says it is, and everybody says it is. Is it real? Is it really, or, or, or am I afraid that it, it's not? I could look at it and go, it looks like it is. You may get a diagnosis from the doctor that it's cancer. It looks like it's cancer, it smells like it's cancer, it acts like it's cancer. And fear can come upon your body. But the Word says, by His stripes, we are healed. So the truth can always override a fact. I'm not going to go into that sermon today, but the truth will override a fact. It'll be a trump card to it. God said So you can say, guess what? The enemy's going to try to take you out. No, no. God said, I'm going to have long life. God said, I got a plan and a purpose and a destiny. Destiny. Jeremiah said, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. Say, I got a future. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got a future. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I got a future. Tell somebody you got a future because you got a future. The Bible says you got a future, and I'm going to have a future. Amen? So we begin to look at what fear is. What do we fear? Let me get right down to the root. The rubber's going to hit the road now. It's going to hit it. What do we fear? Animals fear humans. Some of you need to hear that. Animals fear humans. Guess what? Humans fear animals. I got to thinking about bugs. Oh, it's a bug! It's huge! It's huge! Dad! It's a bug. Kill the bug. It's huge. Where's it at? I mean, I'm expecting to walk into the room and see this huge, gigantic bug come over and go, I'm going to get you. And I look. And it's not there. And I look. And I'm like, oh, that's it? That's it? And that thing will run from me. Things takes off. Now, I do take dominion over them when they get in my house. Some. Some I release. But animals fear humans. Humans fear animals, or we can fear bugs. Individuals can fear other individuals. Nations... Fear nations. What do you fear? Do you fear conflict? Mm. Do you fear death? Do you fear disaster? Are you concerned about the terrorists? Are you afraid of the economy? What do you fear? What is that false evidence appearing real? What do you fear? Others may fear failure. That's me. I'm afraid to fail. I don't want to fail. And I had to say, God, why why is it that I don't want to fail? Is it because I've got a spirit of excellence? Why am I afraid to fail? Why are you afraid to fail? Think about it. Maybe I'm afraid that what somebody else might say. Maybe I'm afraid of what other people might think. God, we're just going to let the Spirit of God move in this place. And if people want to dance, they dance. If they want to jump up and down, they jump up and down. If the kids want to run, let them run. If we want to wave flags, let them wave flags. They're worshiping the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Well, maybe I'm afraid of what other people might say. Well, this isn't just the way we do it at our church. You're in line at Walmart. Oh, man, who was with me? The other day, Tim. Tim and I were together. And this lady was at 
in a restaurant. And we prayed for her there, prayed for her there. Hello, in the restaurant. I wasn't worried about what the other people were thinking. God said, pray, we prayed. Are you with me? You're in the line at Walmart, and the Spirit of God speaks to you and says, she's limping. No, no, God, I didn't see that. Then the Spirit of God says, why don't you pray for her? I'll, I'll follow her out. I'll wait till she gets outside. I want you to pray for her now. No, 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 God, no, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You know, you start rebuking the devil, and it's God. It's God saying, no, I want you to lay hands. I want you to pray for her. And you're not obedient. And guess what? The whole day, the Spirit of God is going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God says, I forgive you. There's another one at the gas station. But you're afraid of what somebody might think. You're a nut. You're a flake of granola, fruits and raisins and nuts. That's what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. What matters is what God thinks. And what matters is me being obedient to God. And if he says, I want you to pray for her, ma'am, we're afraid that she'll reject us. If she rejects us, so be it. Ma'am, I just noticed you were limping there. What's going on there? Well, you know, the other day I just got out of bed and, and, I, and I stepped down and I think I twisted my ankle or something like that. You think I could pray for you? Trust me, the Spirit of God is moving. She might say, no, I don't want you to pray for me. Very rarely have had that happen. I haven't had that happen. But most of the time it's like, sure, don't give her an option. Don't say, well, let's, when we go outside, let's go outside, let's get in a little private corner over here and let's pray. When she says yes, you just reach down there. <laughs> Come on, somebody. The Bible says to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. What do we fear, see? I want us to come in an understanding of what you fear. Do you fear physical harm? Do you fear the unknown? Preacher calls for an offering. Do you fear that you won't have enough? The Bible says that my God shall meet all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's time to give. Not my money. Ain't getting my money. It's time to worship. Not lifting my hands. I mean, because, you know, Courtney's next to me. What's she going to think about me? Are you with me? Let's break it down. What do you fear? What is it that's in your heart? What is it that you're afraid of? Are you afraid of what? We got to get delivered of ourselves. We need deliverance to take place. It needs to be of ourselves. Wayne, you got to get delivered of Wayne. Kelly, you got to get delivered of Kelly. You got to get past your own inhibitions. You're past your own inabilities and let God flow through you and allow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to flow in the earth. Amen? Well, I'll just wait till God comes down. No, He sent you. He sent you. He's already sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But you're a representative in the earth. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Well, you know, I'm just going to wait till Jesus comes back. Are you? No, no. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father ever interceding on our behalf. He said, you know what? I've given her the ability. I've given her the talent. I've given her the gifts. Now I want her to go and utilize them. Come on, somebody. We talk about developing them. They're, we're developing them here in the church, but they're to be used outside the church. But we're afraid. Why don't we use them? Why won't we pray for somebody? Because we're afraid. Like, I'm sick. I got a headache. Really, the first thing in a believer's mind should be, she's sick. She's got a headache. God can heal her. God can touch her. Oh, God can set her free. And compassion will move upon you and you'll say, wait a minute, God, I want to do something. And listen, it doesn't matter how old you are. You don't have to have a doctorate. You don't have to have a Ph.D. You don't have to have a master's. All you got to have is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and the Spirit of God speaking to you and the anointing that you tap into it and you say, hey, I'm going to 
I think the Bible says what? Don't be afraid of man. What can man do to you? But be fearful of God. Because he's got control of your soul. Come on. Oh, I don't know if you hear me. God, are they getting it today? Many of us have the fear of unknown. I don't know what the future's going to bring. I know. It's not good. <laughs> you read it. <laughs> you read it. Yeah, they're fighting over there in Israel. You know, them guys are going at it. Guess what? They're supposed to. But I know as the darkness begins to come forth, or I know as sin abounds, God says, grace, that much more abounds. And I know that he's anointed and appointed us, you, to preach the gospel to all nations. That's every person, everywhere. Don't just think you've got to go to Africa to do it when the people at your workplace are suffering. They need what you've got. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6 because I know, oh, I've got to get on with this. Mark chapter 6. Oh, Mark chapter 6, um, page 1688, my Bible. If you go to Matthew, it's the next book to the right. Mark chapter 6, I want us to look at this because here's what I want you to understand. How, how can I overcome fear? That's the big question. This whole thing is leading up to how can I overcome fear? How can I overcome fear? How can I, over, how can I not be afraid? How can I, I be timid? I'm timid and I'm shy and, and I've just never spoke to anybody. I've never been able to do that. It says in Revelations that we overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of our testimony. You got to start testifying. Can I get a witness? I got to testify. God's wanting a witness in the earth. Sometimes just sharing what God has done for you will bring faith and hope into people's lives, and they'll say, "Woo! if God can do it for them, he'll do it for me. We can have victory over fear. Mark chapter 6. Oh, did I tell you what verse? Oh, let's start at 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into his boat and go on ahead of them on the other side of Bethsaida while he was himself sending the crowd away. Let me just, let me just preach this thing. Amen. You read it for yourself when you go home tonight. Jesus had fed 5,000. He'd healed the sick. He'd cast out demons. And the disciples saw all this take place. And now he's kind of tired. He wants to go to the other side. And, and, and he sends them off in a boat. And, and all of a sudden he shows up walking on water. And the disciples are afraid. <gasps> it's a ghost. <laughs> It's the Holy Ghost is what it was, amen? Jesus walking on water, and he got in the boat with them. How do I overcome fear? Let Jesus get in to the boat with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, let him get in the boat. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, let him get in the boat. You got to let him get in the boat with you. Many times we're holding him off. We're saying, oh, no, I'm afraid to let him get in. No, Jesus is saying, hey, let me step on in the boat. And when I step on in the boat, supernatural things are going to happen. We're going to be on to the other side. All of a sudden, past the wind, past the waves, past the water, you're back on shore. You're back on dry ground. You're not afraid anymore because we got Jesus in the boat with us. He's in the boat with us. He's got to be in the boat with us. He wants to be in the boat with you. He wants to be there with you. Something going on up in here today. I'm going to preach myself happy. Preach myself happy. He wants to be in the boat with you, but you don't understand what I'm going through. He does. You don't understand where I've been. He does. You don't understand the thoughts that I got. He does. He wants to be in the boat with you. I'm afraid to pray for my brother. I'm afraid to pray out loud. It's okay. When you're submitted to God, the Spirit of God will come forth, and you'll say some stuff. Like, Ooh, where'd that come from? I didn't know that. It didn't. It bypasses your intellect. Come on, somebody. And it comes out of your heart. Out of your heart. Out of your heart. See, it's a heart change. It's a heart thing. It's a heart change. It's a heart thing. There's got to be some changes. There's got to be some things that are changed in our hearts. 
Well, that's why I'm afraid. Sometimes you got to do stuff just being afraid. I remember the first time I got up and preached. I told her, actually, you were running the sound at that time. I said, man, Deborah, you did a good job. He said, what's that? I said, because I couldn't hear my knees knocking. I said, you get a good sound, man, he can take the knees knocking out. Amen. You know, they, they were there. They, was, they would knock, and I was knocking. I, was, I remember there was a time when, when, when I would leave the service, and, and I had to use the restroom. I left the service, and Shelly was like, oh, where's he going? And now you turn her loose, amen? She's preaching, praying, and prophesying, and teaching, amen? She's overcome that fear because she allowed Jesus to get in the boat with her. See, we can't do it outside of Jesus. You can try, but it won't work. Let me share a couple of scriptures. Turn to your neighbor and say, let Jesus help. Turn to your other neighbor and say, let Jesus help. Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be anxious or look about you, for I, the Lord, your God, am with you. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.13 says, for I am the Lord, your God, who upholds your right hand, who holds you up who says, do not fear, I will help you. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't fear. God's on the scene. Tell him, God's going to help you. God's going to help you get through what you're getting through. He's going to help you overcome what you need to overcome. I looked it up in, in Psalms and, and Genesis and Isaiah and Daniel. There's over 60 times where you can hear, do not fear or fear not. In the New Testament, the angels would come on the scene, and what would they say? Fear not. There's some awesome things. It's not just some little cupid doll. Otherwise, you wouldn't be afraid. What is that? That's a bug. Well, that's one of them precious moments, little angels. No, them warring angels show up. What is that? And they say, fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. So there must be a spirit of fear. you got to lay hands on yourself, cast that spirit of fear out, cast it out. Say, fear, you got to go. Come on, everybody. Fear, you got to go now in Jesus' name. And you got to stand up and you got to look that thing down and say, you ain't getting in here. Don't you know that my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? And I fear the Lord only. And only him shall I serve. I'm not having no other idols. I'm not bowing down to fear. Shadmach, Rack, Meshach, and Abednego said, I'm not bowing down to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter who your mama is. It doesn't matter who your daddy is. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter if you're big. It doesn't matter if you're small. I am not bowing down to you. And we got to look the enemy in the face and say, it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've been. It doesn't matter where you've been. I am not bowing down to you you. I am not afraid of you. Get out of my face because my brother Jesus, I am joint heirs with Jesus. Oh, I got the blood of Jesus Christ running through my veins. I got the power of the blood in his name and get off of me in Jesus name. Somebody shout Jesus. Come on, somebody shout Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. We we aren't messing around. We're not playing. We're going to go after him and kick his honey. (laughs) Can you say that in church? I guess you just did. Think about this. I am not going to fear. Doesn't mean that I don't do some stuff when I'm afraid. I discipline my children. Come on, somebody, let's be honest. When I'm afraid. I correct them when they might get mad at me. And I'm afraid. I get on an airplane. Knowing that God has ordered my steps. Don't be afraid. Are you with me? Come on. What is it that you're fearing? And you got to face it. Oh, 
Faith will remove fear. Faith will remove fear. Faith will remove fear. Faith will remove fear. Mr. Wayne, come here. Faith will remove fear. I want to leave you with this example. I want you to sit in this chair. Mr. Fear. That is fear. He's in the chair. He's on the throne. And I look at him sometimes and I'm afraid of him. Because he's big. Strong. He's ugly. Sometimes you just got to call it like it is. Fear is ugly. You're not ugly, brother. But fear is ugly. That's the throne. I either have fear on the throne or faith on the throne. So what's on your throne today? Are you going to get fear off the throne? And put faith on the throne. Amen. Fear's got to go in the name of Jesus. I have the victory because Jesus is with me. And I'm going to be on the throne in faith. By faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You either operate in fear or you operate in faith. And they don't go together. They don't mix. Oil and water don't mix together. You put it together, you shake it up, one's going to rise, one's going to fall. Faith is always going to rise. Come on, somebody. And fear has to fall. It's got to go. Say this in the name of Jesus. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm living in faith. Jesus is in the boat with me. And fear, you got to go. Now, in Jesus' name, give the Lord some praise in the house. Amen. Faith. You can use this analogy for a lot of things. Is Jesus on the throne or are you on the throne? You better get your hiney off the throne and put Jesus on it. You better stop your selfishness and your pride and put it on the throne and get love and humility. Check this out. Spirit of fear can't stay. Many times at funerals, we as pastors read Psalms 23. We use that for funerals, but I think it could be here today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. Check that out. I shall fear no evil. I shall fear no evil. I shall fear no evil. Worry about the evil coming upon you unless you're doing some stuff you shouldn't be doing. Then stop doing what you're doing. Amen? Repent, get it under the blood of Jesus Christ, and you can confess this word. Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A shepherd has a rod, and a rod brings the sheep back in line. And the staff, you know, has got a hook in case they wander. Come back in the fold. Come back in the fold. Fear is attached to people wandering. I'm afraid to serve God. I'm afraid to hear something. I'm afraid to be changed. I'm afraid to be shaped. I'm afraid the pastor's going to confront me with something that I don't want to be confronted. You're afraid of confrontation. 
So your rod and your staff will comfort you. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. You get a chance to get into Luke chapter 12. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. And after the body's dead, they can't do anything else. But be afraid of God who can kill the soul, has the authority to cast you into hell. Fear of faith, where are you operating today? I'm operating faith, Pastor, in this area, but in this other area, fear's on the throne. Get him off. Get Jesus in the boat. You need Jesus' help. God, help me. I need help. I need help. I need help. I don't know about you. You might have it all going and got it all going together, but I need help. I'm going to ask us just to check in with the Spirit of God. What is it that you're fearing today? I want to ask you to examine yourself here. What is it that you're fearing here today? The Bible says love casts out all fear. 1 John 4.18 Perfect love casts out fear. Wow. What areas in our life do we need to increase our love walk? Perfect love casts out fear. Maybe I need to love Aunt Martha. Maybe I need to love my neighbor. Maybe I need to show love to those who persecute you. The Bible says to pray for them. Maybe you need to love your brother as yourself. Maybe you need to love the fellowshipping of the saints. Maybe you need to love believers getting together. Maybe you've got fear in your life because you haven't loved these things. Maybe you need to love God more the way He loves you. Father, I just pray that faith will arise in each and every person here. I thank you that we're the Word of God is the weapon that they need to use. The Word is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. The Word made flesh, came and dwelt among the men. Use the Word. Use the Word. Use the Word. Jesus used the Word when He fought Satan in in Matthew chapter 4. As it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the God. As it is written, the Lord God shall you serve and only Him. Love your neighbor as yourself. As it is written, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Lord, we're asking you now to reveal to us the areas that we've got fear. Give us strength to get you in the boat with us. Some of you here today might need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know him, you just know of him. He's a, he's a thing. 